much for teaching us through your word for this venue that we can learn from what you have to say about work, God. And I pray that you would teach us well, that you would um, uh, let us see this as more than facts to be absorbed, but choose to be uh, to sink into our hearts and to be lifted out, God. So we give this time to you. And um, yeah, I just pray that this would be a, the next few minutes would be a good time of learning for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we are at part two of our uh, series on work. So let's, um, I think 80% of you guys, like now it's like 85% of you guys were at, were at last week's um, lesson. But do you guys remember anything from last week's lesson on faith and work? Anything about work that you guys remember? Mm, that all good work is God glorifying. Okay, cool. <clears throat> what else? Oh. Go ahead. Oh, no, actually, I was just going to say, I asked this. <laughs> 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 I forgot, I was like right here. So nice uh, of you. <laughs> it's like... The checks mix? Yeah, it's like the CD. And then this is CD. Okay, thank you, Tracy. so good. Alright, what else do you guys remember? That work is good. Is is um alright, all all good work is God glorifying work. Right. What about um was was work um instituted before or after the fall? Before. Before the fall. So from that we know that work is a good thing. It's not work isn't a result of uh, sin work is something that God intended for man to partake in as a good thing. So, if you guys just join us, there's some. Um, Tracy got some mingo and some. Oh, well, it's like a feast today. There's a uh, Samoas and. Uh, all right, so a few points for review. This will set the groundwork for us to think about the rest of the series. So, the foundation of work. Um, we talked about how God instituted work. God God himself is a worker. God created the world in six days. This was an act of work. It was a good thing God told us to work. That was a good thing. This happened before the fall. Um, God's design for work was that, was that we would cultivate what was given to us, that we would subdue the earth, if you remember in Genesis. And um, the purpose of work is to, uh, again, to carry out this this. Uh, plan of cultivation. So, if you guys remember, the God created a garden. This is where Adam and Eve. Um, they were. This is where they were situated. Do you guys know at the end of time, where we'll be living in a garden? What are we going to be living in? A city. A city. <clears throat> Isn't that interesting? That garden. The garden was paradise. Oh, we're going to spend eternity in a city. Have you guys ever thought about that? Like how profound that is? And the role that we play in it? S- 
to live in a city, if you guys like go to um, any like major city, you know that a lot of work has gone into it, right? Decades and decades and decades of just hard work and building and commerce and industry. That's what makes it a city. So we go from the garden at the beginning of time to the city at the end of time. So this tells us, I think underlying that is the fact that there's work which is necessary to create a city. So work is a good thing. Work is kind of uh, underlies what goes on in, in all of life. So God is working and we are working and we as believers are taking our, our co-agents in this activity of work. Okay? Any questions or comments before we jump into the study now? All right. So, man gave, or God gave man the, um, the calling to work, but something happened, and uh, Adam and Eve, they ate of the fruit, and this is what happened. Um, Melissa, can I have you read Genesis 3, 16 through 19, please? To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for, it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground. For out of it you are taken. For you are dust, and to dust, and to dust you shall return. All right, great. So, we see here the distortion of work. Once man sinned, once the fall occurred, God says, this is what's going to happen. You're, you're still going to work, but now there's going to be thorns and thistles. So, there's like thorns, thistles. You guys know what these are, right? These are, um, if you guys have ever just like seen like a field um, or have tried to work the land, there's these things which they hinder your work. So, Work has become more difficult because of the fall. Um, childbirth. So the intention, the original de uh, design of <coughs> childbirth was that it was to, uh, it wasn't supposed to be painful, but then if, I don't, are there any mothers here? No, there are no mothers here, but then um, if, you, if you listen to mothers, they'll say that childbirth is probably one of the most painful things that you can experience. So child, the pain of childbirth, that's a result of the fall. Um, verse 19 by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread so when man works it's that this is saying that it's work was supposed to be something that we enjoy work is supposed to be something that's pleasant but now um, it's not always pleasant <coughs> by the sweat indicates that there's something that um, is wrong with what we're doing so also cursed is a ground because of you uh, verse 17 so man was Man was created to, or one of man's um, uh, functions was to subdue the land. But at that point, the the uh, the land was still, um, it was easier to work with. But now, verse 17, it says, cursed is the ground because of you. So we see that because of the fall, our work is distorted. Our work, there's a futility to it. And um, we see this in Romans 8.20. I'm going to have, Ashley, can you read this, please? For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. All right, so creation was subjected to futility. What do you guys think of when you heard the word futile or futility? 
like doomed? It's doomed, right? Like there's like no point to doing it, maybe? Mm. Okay, <clears throat> what else? Have you guys ever felt futile in doing something? <laughs> okay, like how so? Um, just like most days, being like, what's the point? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Have you guys heard the uh, story of Sisyphus? Yes. In Greek mythology, what was what was Sisyphus's role? Sisyphus to like roll like something back up and then it falls down. Yeah. Actually, it's not this. It's uh, this is a more accurate representation of the story. Sisyphus is a figure in Greek mythology. His sole purpose in life was to roll a stone up a hill. And every time this the stone would roll back down on him, and he just have to keep on pushing it back up, and that was it. I remember watching a um, it was a uh, some like documentary or something on the uh, on some like prisoner camp in World <laughs> War Two, and um, what they had the prisoners do was they had the prisoners break rocks with sledgehammers, and there was no purpose to that. All they wanted to do was to give these people some backbreaking work. It, it was pointless. It was futile. Sisyphus, what Sisyphus did was futile. What these um, prisoners did in the prisoner camp was futile because there's no point to it. So this is one. This is what happened because of the fall. The work that we do, there's a futility to it. There's a lot of um, uh, what's the the intention of work has been broken. Um, also, I'm going to read uh, Ecclesiastes. Actually, if you guys have. Um, your phones, or if you guys actually bring Bibles to church still, let's turn to Ecclesiastes. It was too long, so I didn't print it all out here, but I think it's a really good uh, passage. Ecclesiastes 2, 18-23, and I'll read this for you. Ecclesiastes 2, 18-23. Uh, and this is talking about work, the Futility and vanity of work. I hated all my toil in which I toiled under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool? Yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and use my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person has toiled with, with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Listen to that again. His work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This is also vanity. This preacher in Ecclesiastes, he's saying that the work that he does, he feels he feels this futility. He feels like Sisyphus, who's saying, um, he's saying, man, all the work that I do, I can do it with wisdom, I can do it with skill, um, but you know, in the end, I don't get to enjoy it. And there's such a, you know, he uses this word vexation. Um, if you've ever like, uh, one way to like insult a person is to say like, you vex me. Like, it, it's just like, it's this, um, it's this idea of. Wow, this is not like you're totally rubbing me the wrong way, and I don't want you around. Uh, the preacher in Ecclesiastes, he's saying this work is vexing him. He doesn't, 
he just feels the futility of what he's doing. So because of the fall, even though work was good, the fall introduced uh, just brokenness to the work that we do. So the gospel says, you guys remember what the gospel says uh, or what the gospel connection was last week? All work is good, yeah. And then also, um, at, at, because, um, well, actually, we're going to hit more of the gospel at the, at the end of this lesson, so I don't want to give it all away. But basically, in a nutshell, um, uh, the gospel tell, what, one of the, or, uh, I should take us back to the Reformation when Martin Luther, he, I'm going to go back to, uh, one of the points I talked about last week, but then one of the points of the Reformation was not only, justification by faith alone but then that everyone was a priest and that that meant that everyone uh you didn't have to earn your way to god uh and that freed everything up so back in the middle ages around the catholic church everyone thought well you know if um there are there are nuns and there are priests and because they dedicate their time to praying and thinking about god and and reading the scriptures they're closer to god so their work is more important but justification by faith alone said that, no, it's not that the nuns and priests and monks, um, they're closer to God because it doesn't depend on what you do. Remember, this is a gospel. The gospel says it depends on what Christ has done. And what Christ has done is good enough for everyone. So whether I'm an electrician or plumber or janitor or nurse or doctor, all these things that I do, these are equal in the sight of God. And nothing brings me closer to God um, no one occupation brings me closer to God. So the gospel freed people up to think about what is it that I do? I don't have to become a nun or a priest or a pastor or someone in ministry. I can continue to do what I'm doing, and this work matters to God. So when we understand the gospel implication of work, um, we see that there is a freedom in it. We don't have to... When we understand the design of work and how it's good, we don't have to um, be like Sisyphus, where we just feel like our work is completely futile. So, what the gospel does is it frees us from the idol of work. Um, do you guys know? Do you guys know of anyone um, who just they, they pour all their time and energy into work? What? What? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> oh, you're just raising your hand. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. What do you call them? Workaholics. Slaves. Slaves, yeah. <laughs> I used to think that um, before I started, like, working a lot, I, I thought, like, oh, like, workaholic, that's just, like, you know, I, I can uh, avoid that. It's not that difficult to, like, stay away from that, you know, because once you hear this, if there's something, like, holic at the end, you're like, that's a bad thing. Like, I don't want to become an alcoholic. I don't want to become, like, a shopaholic. Um, those things, like, if I practice enough self-control... <laughs> It's it's okay. I can I can keep things uh, under as as they should be. But as I started working, I was like, oh, like the first thing I do when I wake up is I'll check my email, and that would be the last thing I do before I go to bed is I would check my email for work, and work became such a part of me. And there were um there were times where, actually I remember a few times I actually stayed like I would sleep in a sleeping bag under my desk in my cube because there just that was what I did back then. Um, so. I became kind of a workaholic. And the reason why people become workaholics is, number one, they might feel pressure from their managers or their bosses to work a lot. But then I think beyond that is just um, we feel like work is such a part of us. We identify with it so much. 
so much so that we can't look at ourselves apart from our, our identity that comes from work. So we see this in uh, Genesis 11, 1 through 7. Um, can I have you, Cheryl, just read uh, up to verse 4 in Genesis 11, please? Mm-hmm. Now the whole earth had one la- language and the same words. And as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in, in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. All right, thanks. So look at what I have bolded there. Let us make a name for ourselves. (laughs) Why did these people want to build a city? It was because they wanted to make their name great. It was because they wanted this to be a part of their identity. And it, uh, notice it says here that they, they were making a city in verse through 4. Let's build ourselves a city. This is indicative of um, what man should be doing, what man should be building a city. But then they're building it for the wrong reasons. Their reason for building the city was to build a name for themselves, to make themselves great. So... This is, so this is what, um, look, look at uh, what I have in um, italics down there. There's an over-identification with work and there's self-satisfa- self-satisfaction. This is why people make work an idol. And the other one is um, make a difference in the world. I'll talk about both of these. Um some people work just because they want a lot of money, they want prestige, and that's why they work. This is for self-satisfaction. Maybe it might be that, you know, if, if you have a really great job, you think, well, this job provides for me everything that I want, and I am I enjoy the work that I do. I love it, and their life becomes about their work. Mm. Um, if you guys have ever, like, uh, I know that there are some people, they call them um, technology evangelists. Uh, I know Apple, they have people called, like, ma- like mac evangelist or um apple evangelist <laughs> and um there are actually in the in the tech world there are lots of people that that they call themselves their title is like evangelist for their product or for their company and it's so weird that they take this very christian word evangelist evangelism and they say i'm going to evangelize my product so we evangelize for the sake of christ these people evangelize for the sake of um iMacs and uh and iPhones um, but this is, they work for self-satisfaction, and because of that, the, their work becomes such a part of their identity. And this is over-identification. Um, also, working to make a difference in, their, in the world. This sounds like a really good thing, doesn't it? And this is not necessarily wrong, but then, what happens if the work that you do doesn't make a difference in the world? You become depressed. You think, why am I doing what I'm doing? And when you go into any type of work that helps people, there's no guarantee that people are going to be helped, right? You know, people might feel like short-term effects, but in terms of long-term, that's a lot more difficult. So, in both of these, you're basing your identity on something that is going to happen or what it provides for you. And the gospel says you're accepted by Christ, so I don't need my job to build my identity. I don't need my work to define who I am. Christ defines who I am. So when we believe the gospel, this frees us from the idolatry of work. Questions or comments? I was going to say, Alan, but that's not always necessarily true, though, in those two things, because there's also the fact that you might be doing it because you want to do your best 
Yeah. And do their best work. Mm-hmm. Right? Not necessarily for um, to hold it as your identity, but yeah. just that's who you are as an introvert. Yeah. Because we're also Christians, we want to yeah. serve in our best. So. Yeah. That's a really that's a really good point, and I'm glad you brought. Thank you, John. Um, an idol. <coughs> what what's in the idol? <coughs> Okay, yeah. When it, uh, so an idol is not necessarily something that's bad, right? An idol could be, you know, your family, but because you put that as a first thing in your life above God, that it becomes <coughs> an idol when you identify your or when you base your happiness or identity on something rather than on God. Then that's what an idol is. So um, we're actually going to touch on your point as we move on. But that, thank you for that point. It's um, it's not bad to be. Uh, deep in your work. I know that, you know, a lot of people, they have jobs that they love, and that's great, and they spend their lives in that job, and that's great, and they do good work through that job, and that's a great thing. Um, But they're able to um, keep that as something in its proper place, and that's where we want to be. So it's not wrong to be in your job 24-7. Doctors are like that, right? Um, They're on call, like, all the time, but... Um, it's a matter of what do we place first. So what we want to be is we want to be uh, Christians doing excellent work for the kingdom of God. And um, we'll, we'll go a little bit more into that. Thanks, John. Any other comments or questions? You know, a co-worker of mine, she was asking about whether she just quits jobs or not. Mm-hmm. Um, because she hears about <coughs> other, people's, uh, other people having jobs that they really like and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'd say it doesn't really matter because when most people switch to another job, then they find other things wrong with it. Yeah. So I told her that it's more like uh, it's just a mm-hmm. It's probably more that you're trying to please God that rather than uh, putting your whole self into the work. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you go, as long as you're serving God, then you're going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's good. I think it's really important. Like um, <laughs> Some people, they, they think that, uh, I mean, there's um, my favorite author. He has this quote. It's a really good quote. He says, "Your calling is where your deepest passion and the world's deepest need intersect." Mm-hmm. And uh, have you guys read that before? I, I think so. Our 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 calling by God is where our deepest passion and the world's deepest need intersect. So your deepest passion could be that I like to um, like look at fish. Um, but then that's not, there's not really need for someone to look at fish. I mean, unless like you're doing it as a scientist or something, but, um, there's, we have to find that, you know, I think one of the fallacies that we sometimes fall into is like, oh, if we really, if we're really going to surrender, surrender to God, um, I'm going to have to become a missionary in Africa or whatever it is that we don't want to do. Like if we surrender, surrender to God, then, um, I'm going to have to do something that I'm going to despise. And that's totally wrong because you know what that says about God? It says that God is a mean God who doesn't care about your joy. Um, God has gifted us with certain things. If we're good at something, that's a pretty big indicator that that, that's that's what God wants you to do. And um, it could mean that, you know, if you really have a heart for uh, the loss in Africa, then God will say, because... Your joy is in that. I've created you for that, so I will send you as a missionary to Africa. But your biggest joy might be something else, and you you might love you might be really good at finance. So God might say, 
you're going to go on Wall Street and you're going to earn $5 million a year. And you're going to glorify God making that $5 million a year because there is a need in every industry. There's a need for believers in every company, in every, almost every, I should say almost every. There are some illegitimate industries, but um, yeah. So uh, thank you. I think I, I sort of like went sideways with, with that. Um, all right. The freedom from, from idleness in work. I'm just going to have um, – I'm just going to read the fir- – have Neiman read the first verse in this section so we have time for the others. Go ahead and read um, Second Thessalonians, please. For even when we were with you, we would give you this command. If anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. For such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ to do, to do their work quietly and to earn their own living. All right, thank you. Uh, have you guys seen Office Space? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What does anyone want to sort of like? What What's kind of like the gist of the uh, of the movie? Do you guys know which movie I'm talking about? It's a It's a really good movie. It's It's hilarious. Um, basically, there's this guy Peter who has this eight to five job and he hates his job. And um, the only thing he looks forward to is Friday when he gets to get off work and he gets to do his own thing. And um, one day he decides, I'm going to, I hate my job so much, um, I'm just going to completely give up on it. And uh, so he, he goes into work late one day and he just, he, he, he was late to work because he was fishing. He brings his fish into work and he just starts like scaling the fish on his desk. And <laughs> he completely doesn't care. And he has this attitude of, I hate work so much. Work is such a curse. And the whole movie is about how he hates work. Um, and it's such a commentary on so, how so many people think. I think the movie is so popular because it resonates with so many people. Is They hate their jobs. And when they get there, they don't want to do anything. I remember, um, I'm kind of ashamed to share this, but then I think I'll share it for the sake of, um, of letting you guys know how maybe some people might think. Is there's one time I spent... I watched the entire season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It's an HBO show. Uh, in one day, I watched the entire season in one day because I, I was at work and I didn't want to do anything. So I would just, um, I would just like watch. I, I would just lean over, hunch over my laptop, and I'd watch watch the television show. And I was like, "Work stinks. I don't want to do it." <laughs> um, and this was a wrong attitude. That was sinful. I need to. I needed to repent of what I did, but. I was idle in work because at some point I, was, I thought, you know, my work really doesn't matter. I don't really care about it. It doesn't make a difference, and I just don't want to work. I'd rather just chill and do my own thing. But Paul here, he says in Second Thessalonians, he's talking to the Thessalonians who were um, looking forward to the return of Christ. And they thought, if Christ is going to come, there's no need for me to work. And I can just chill out. I can be lazy, and I'll just wait for the return of Christ. But, but he, Paul says here... Hey, you guys, like, God has gifted you to, with certain abilities. He's called you to do cer- certain things. So you work, you earn, you make a living and um, do your work, earn your own living. And Paul says it pretty bluntly. He says, if anyone's not willing to work, let him not eat. Paul's saying the most basic thing we can do, which is eat, the most <clears throat> basic necessity for us. If you're not going to work, then you have no right to eat. So the scriptures call us to work and um, because we understand that there's dignity and value in work it frees us from idleness we can go into work with the attitude that yes my work matters 
and um, I tangibly benefit from that as well. So you can look at these other verses on your own um, when you have time. All right. Uh, so the gospel tells us that we have a new master. Um, Tracy, can I have you read First Corinthians six, please? Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Thank you. And Tom, can I have you read First Corinthians, please? <clears throat> so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. All right. And um, Harry, can you read Ephesians six five through nine, please? On servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling. Sincere heart as you would Christ, not by the way of eye service as people pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bond servant or a free. Masters do the same to them and stop your threatening, knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and that there is no partiality with him. Alright, thank you. So as believers, we have a new person that we work for. Who is our ultimate manager? It's the Lord, right? The ultimate boss is the Lord. Our ultimate CEO is the Lord. This is what the scriptures say. First Corinthians, we were bought with a price. We were not our own. So this is saying that everything that we are belongs to God. Second, First Corinthians, do all to the glory of God. Everything that we do, whether it be um, uh, going to school or whether it be um, like clearing out toilets or um, working on a computer or whatever, all this is for the glory of God. I like how um, John Piper, he says this. He says, um, whether you eat pizza or you have sex, it's all to the glory of God. Everything that we do is for the glory of God. So that includes our work. And I really like this passage in Ephesians 6 where it says, uh, what I highlighted there, rendering with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. So we might have managers at work, but the real reason why we do it is for the Lord. <coughs> we do this with good will as to the Lord and not to man. So this means that you, if you feel like kind of like uh, crushed down by work, you think, well, I might hate my manager, but then this job was given to me as a gift by God. So I'm going to do work with excellence. Uh, do you guys ever feel like you just like we sometimes we identify our jobs so much with our with the people that we work with, right? If we hate work, it's a lot of times it's because the people we work with, right? What the scriptures tell us is that wherever we're placed. It's not ultimately who you work with or who your manager is or boss is. It's to, for the Lord. So if we realize that there is dignity and value in everything that we do, then we can pursue our work with excellence, knowing that this matters to God. Okay? Any questions or comments? All right. Um, the power... Of, I know I'm going a little bit fast. I just want to make sure we get out of time. Um, the power for work... Uh, Marianne, can I have you read First Corinthians seven, please? You were brought with a price; do not become bond servants of men. So, brothers, in whatever position you were called, let them there let him remain with God. All right, thanks. Let me comment on that really quickly. Let him th- let him remain with God. So, Paul is telling the Corinthians, wherever God has placed you, stay there. So, people thought, you know. 
after I've become a Christian, after this life-changing experience, I should quit my job or I should quit school and I should just go into the mission field or I should become a pastor because that's what really matters. And Paul says, no, what really matters is what you do in the office. What really matters is what you do in the classroom. Stay there. God has a job for you to do. And when we realize that God has us in a specific place for a specific reason, that encourages us, us, us doesn't it? It encourages us us encourages us to um, stay where we are and to continue to maintain those relationships that we have in the office or the projects that we're working on. And the fingerprints of God will be on those things that you do. Okay? Um, Christine, can I have you read Romans 12, 1, please? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. All right. Worship does not merely occur on Sundays. Worship occurs in the office Monday through Friday. And here in Romans 12, Paul says, what does he appeal to? He appeals to the mercies of God. He's saying that in light of what Christ has done for you, present your bodies to God. So in light of what Christ has done for us, show up to the office on time tomorrow, on time tomorrow and do work with excellence. And this is worship to God. God created us to work, and this is worship. And this is worship. So worship doesn't mean that we just have to sing and pray in church on Sundays. When we live out what we're called to do, this is worship. We're showing the worth of God. Worship. Have you guys ever uh, like heard that connection before? We show the worth of God and the work that we do, and this is worship because of what Christ has done. So. Because we know that we've been rescued, that gives us new motivation to do things. Um, John, I'm going to have you read Colossians 3, please. Whatever you do, work heartily as the Lord's and not for your men, for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord's Christ. All right, thanks. So, um, powerful work, encouragement for work. Know that you'll receive a reward. So there's an end to the work that we're doing. We're going to receive... Uh, rewards not only for what we do in church, not only for work that we do in ministry. You know, we sometimes think what really matters is what we do on Sundays, and that's what I'm going to get a reward for. This verse says you're going to get a reward for doing work with excellence at your job. Is that not like such encouragement? You know, like um, sometimes a lot of companies they give out bonuses at the end of the quarter or at the end of the year, like good job, and we go, okay, this is why I worked hard. But the scripture tells us there's something beyond that. It doesn't matter if you're not saying the name Jesus or typing like Jesus in parentheses in your code when you're programming. Um, that isn't really what matters. I mean, it matters that you you know mention Jesus and, and whatever in your workplace. But um, if you do your work with excellence, even if it's secular work, even if it's amongst non-Christians, this matters to God and we will receive a reward for it. Okay, any comments or questions? Do you guys sometimes feel like there's just uh, no point in in doing the work or you just feel like you want to give up on work? Like, what goes through your mind when you think that? Like, it's pointless. Mm -hmm. It's never ending. Mm -hmm. uh, doing, like, the same thing over and over again. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks. What else? 
I wish I would I could um transport myself back to back when I was working as a technical writer. I wish I could like bring past Wade into like present Wade time right now. And I wish I could like preach to myself this sort of stuff because there was a time when I I hated my job. I was a technical writer and um I wrote manuals for software and I it sucked the life out of me um because I I would write like three paragraphs and it would be it would go through um I would talk to the engineers and then I would write out something that looks decent I'd bring it to my editor and then the editor would go okay I'll make these changes now bring it back to the engineer again and then um I'd they'd make sure that it was okay and then have to revise that and then it'd go back to my editor and then from my editor I'd have to do peer review I'd give it to another technical writer and then they'd sign off on it and then bring it back to the engineer and then they'd say okay this is good and a final review by the main editor and it would be like a seven step process to write three paragraphs and it took like a week and a half to write three paragraphs and I wanted to blow my brains out at the end of the day because I hated my work and I thought that because I thought I could find satisfaction in my work I thought you know to do my work well I have to be it has to be something that I like I'm completely on board with, and I love it. I love every single minute of it, and I, it had to be something that makes a difference. And um, it's, writing three paragraphs over the course of a week and a half doesn't seem like making much of a difference. If I understood what the scripture said about work, I would have came in with the attitude that, you know what? These three paragraphs are, is God telling the world through me that this is how this software works, and this software can be used to make the world a better place it can be used to create cities to make something beautiful and whatever it is that we do it's creating something beautiful there are a million pieces in a machine sometimes that we never see but if there's one piece missing um, the machine won't work and uh, I'm not saying that we're simply like cogs in the wheel but I'm saying that the work that we do matters and we should approach it as if uh, it's something that God instituted, and it's something that matters to God. It's building cities. It's building something that will be ultimate. And, you know, one day, um, you, we may not see the ultimate end of it, but one day we will. Any questions or comments? Okay. Um, let's close off in the last few minutes. Um, Roxanne, can I have you read Exodus 28, please? made to work but then we also we were also made to rest so god actually commands us to rest from our work because this frees us from over identifying ourselves with our work it tells the sabbath tells us that god is the one that's ultimately in control so if i let go of my work for one day things aren't going to fall apart because god is the one that's ultimately in control god is saying keep this day of rest holy um, i'm going to read this portion in bold from deuteronomy um, it's the same, it's saying the same thing, keep the Sabbath holy, uh, observe the Sabbath, verse 15 of Deuteronomy 5. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. God is saying that when we keep the Sabbath, 
we were remembering that we were once slaves. We were once slaves to the world. We were once slaves to perhaps even our own work. But we're going to detach ourselves from our work for one day. And this is, uh, this is following the example of, of what, what God says here. The, the Israelites were slaves in Egypt and they worked, you know, they worked like nonstop, like building, making uh, bricks and pulling things. And it was like backbreaking work and it stank. Um, God is saying, remember those times when you put everything into your work and how it killed you. And God says, when you observe the Sabbath, don't think about work. You don't have to, you know, log on and check your email. You can just step away from it because you're not a slave to your work. You're who are you? A servant of, you're a servant of the Lord. You're not a servant of your work, okay? And finally, um, Matthew eleven twenty eight. I think we hit everyone. Um, Melissa, can I have you read Matthew eleven, please? Mm-hmm. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right, thank you. Um, do you guys know what a, <clears throat> what a yoke is? That thing on the ox. Yeah. It's a, it's like a yoke is, it kind of looks like this, and there's like an ox right here, and it's like pulling stuff. There's like two oxen sometimes, and here you are. Here's a man with a smiley face, and he's pulling the thing, and this is like an overview shot. But a yoke is an instrument of work. Have you guys ever like considered that? God, when Jesus mentions rest, he has this element of work in there, right? But there's a rest beneath the rest. And this is what the gospel is. The gospel says that your work does not define you. Your work does not, um, does not, your, your worth doesn't, your value doesn't come from your work. Your value comes from what Christ has done. And Christ is saying, in all your work, we're all working for something. In, in Genesis, these people are working to make a name for themselves. We'll work maybe to sustain our families. But Christ says, you know, whether or not that works out or not, it doesn't matter because you're still accepted by me. We base, everyone bases their identity on something. And for the majority of people, they base their work on what they can do. We base our worth and our identity on what has been done. And it's what Christ has done that allows us to rest. And this is how we have to think about work is through the lens of the gospel. So, in review, um, we'll close off in like 30 seconds. Um, work is good, and the work that we do here on earth matters and is good. And we will continue to work after the, after Jesus returns. And um, I was going to recommend a few books, a couple books for you. Um, these are the most accessible this book just came out, Every Good Endeavor by Tim Keller. Uh, it's a really good book, and there's a section in there where it talks about um, how, you know, like, uh, uh, different types of work. That it might be medicine that we're involved in, or uh, school, or, or the classroom, or arts, or engineering. He actually mentions specific things in there and how, they, how the gospel relates to them. So this is a really good book. It's really accessible, easy to read, Tim Keller. Um, and the other one is Don't Waste Your Life. You can find this online for free, the PDF on DesiringGod.org, but there is a section in here called Making Much of Christ from 8 to 5, and it talks about what are the practical ways we can be Christians in the workplace, and um, it's free online, just search for Don't Wish Your Life, 
So uh, check out those two books. There's a lot of other books talking about the values of um, biblical values in the workplace, and they're really good as well. Okay, any closing comments or questions? <coughs> I think it's really fascinating how like, uh, in creation, uh, the seventh day is rest, right? And so ultimately, we long for that rest. So, so it's not just that we're stuck in this our little uh, lives here uh, working forever, but we long for that rest to come. And when it comes, that's, that's why we're able to Yeah, and there's going to be rest even as we work in the new heavens and new earth. The work that we do in the new heavens and new earth, you're going to be so happy doing what you're doing. You're going to be so fulfilled. And I can't wait for that day um, when all our work will, you will see the difference that, that our work makes. And we're going to love it. It's going to be like, um, we're, we might like get all sweaty and like gross from working, but it's going to be something that we're going to enjoy. And this is something that we have to look forward to in the new heavens and new earth. It's going to be here. It's going to be physical. Uh, the physical world matters and we will work in the physical world. All right? Thanks. All right, let's pray. Father God, we thank you for giving us rest and uh, even as we work, I pray that we would be faithful to what you called us to, God, and that we would um, learn to be uh, light in our workplaces, God, and we would think about work biblically and whether we um, whether we uh, do seemingly menial tasks or whether we're kings and queens all this matters to you god so teach us this god so we pray these things in jesus name amen Amen. all right